0: Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than David Schuster, TYT contributor, Rebel HQ rock star. Should be a fascinating analysis. Top story of the day Governor Ron uh, There is a new video out that shows how afraid he is of Donald Trump. It's called Debate Prep and Joe Biden numbers record low, both problematic, here it is.
1: So much and now to the biggest name so far who has not yet announced a Republican presidential run, Ron DeSantis. But we're hearing that could change soon, ABC's Faith Abube has the latest. Has the NRA
0: donated
2: to me? I don't think the NRA is quite the boogeyman the Democrats think it is.
1: This morning, new video
3: obtained exclusively by ABC News shows Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in debate prep sessions when he first ran for governor five years ago.
1: Do we hit him on guns or does everyone who cares about guns is going to vote for me?
3: The candid moments from 2018 come as sources say DeSantis's team is already prepping for the 2024 presidential debates. DeSantis would need to win over Trump voters, an issue he he grappled with in the past as he ran
2: for governor. Is there any issue of how much you disagree with President Trump? Obviously, there is because i I mean, I voted contrary to him in the Congress. The
3: past internal recordings offering a rare glimpse into how DeSantis has previously wrestled with how to appeal to Trump's loyal base.
2: But I have to frame it in a way that's not going
0: to piss off all his voters. And so what I do is I do what I think is right. I support his agenda in terms of what he's been able to do. If I have a disagreement, I talk to him in private.
3: Florida lawmakers Matt Gates and Byron Donalds helping DeSantis then, but have since endorsed Trump's third White House bid. In the video. AIDS coaching DeSantis on a range of topics, including how to be likable.
2: I think when you walk up there, if you have a pad, you have to write in all caps at the top of the pad, likable. And just look. I, I do the same thing because I have the same personality. We're both
0: aggressive. Yes, he's such a horrible human being. He has to carry around a sheet of paper or an iPad that says, "I'm likable. People like me. I am somebody." All right. Let's get into it. Newly obtained footage of Governor Ron DeSantis out of Florida has produced some insights into his past thoughts on how to handle the former President Donald Trump. ABC News obtained videos of DeSantis from 2018 back when he was running for his first term as governor. The archived footage shows DeSantis in a debate prep and as he contemplates how to present himself on various issues. He was posed the question at one point, is there any issue upon which you disagree with President Trump? The mere fact that that question strikes fear in the heart of conservatives is the problem. That's the problem of the party. Now, typically, this leads to a very rigid interpretation of everything based on what Trump thinks of it. And so the policy dynamic of the Republican Party is really no more. The Republicans cannot take policy action or policy position because they're not sure exactly where Trump will align. And the reality is Trump has decided to be A, one day, and B, the next. And so it's a tough, tough position. But here's the thing, who was in that debate prep with the governor? Well, that was out, that was the good congressman, Matt Gates. But wait a minute, I thought Matt Gates was supporting Trump. Well, at least that's what he said to people. Uh, naturally, we see another dynamic behind the scenes. Now I'm going to go to the historic low numbers of Biden. All of this connects, here it is. Rick, this poll is just brutal for President Biden.
1: Absolutely, George. And we, you talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36% of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. 58% say they would support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC, and most of the Democratic establishment has rallied behind President Biden. And you're seeing real weaknesses in the coalition that powered Joe Biden to the presidency back in 2020. Biden carried independence by Thirteen points against Donald Trump. He is now trailing Trump by nine points among those same voters. He carried Black voters by 75 points in 2020. Now he is up just 35. That may sound like a lot, but the fact of the matter is, in modern politics, that is not the kind of number that a Democrat needs to be victorious. And then, of course, that that does spill over into the head-to-head matchup, the hypothetical rematch, Trump versus Biden. Right now, a seven-point edge in our poll from in Trump leading Biden. And in fact, it's an identity number with Ron DeSantis in a head to head that might happen next November. That tells us at this very early stage, George, that this race is shaping up a lot more about the incumbent president, Joe Biden, than it is about any of his challengers.
0: You heard it, Joe Biden, current president, who has announced he's running for re-election. Most Democrats do not want him to run. He is losing the black vote by the minute. Why? Lack of delivery. Him and VP Harris ran on deliverables. They said vote for us, we're going to give you A, B, and C. Well, those communities who organized, knocked on doors, made phone calls, drove people to to the polls, gave endorsements and checks, defended you on social media, maybe even lost friends over it. Those individuals wanted a radically new delivery. They did not like the direction Trump was taking the country. And they assumed when you campaigned on making a change, that this change would come under your presidency. And so you received a record number of votes, Mr. President. It was a reigning endorsement against Donald Trump, not really for you. You see, there's nothing sacred about that office. The only thing sacred are the voters who put you there to do a job. All right, Um, I said this would happen, David. I said if you don't deliver, it will reflect in voter apathy the next go round. And that's exactly what you're seeing in these polls.
2: Right, I mean, Joe Biden promised a $15 an hour minimum wage. Uh, most, a lot of companies are already paying that. But for some reason, <laughs> the Biden administration can't deliver on that. They can't deliver on figuring out what to do about student loan debt. It's mired in the courts Uh working wages. I mean, the, the wealth gap continues to grow between wealthy and, and, and lower income Americans. So yeah, Joe Biden is in some trouble in terms of not keeping his promises. But, but here's the other thing is that Americans tend to have a very sort of short memory and a lot of Donald Trump's. You know the drama over Donald Trump, I think, starts to fade in the background. The priority is right now. I mean, whenever a president is seeking a reelection, it is a referendum. On that person, it's usually not about the challenger. There are a few exceptions: Obama, Romney in 2012. But for the most part, this is about Joe Biden, and I would be worried uh, for uh, for a lot of Democrats who support him. But even though we've got 18 months until the general election, I mean, there's already sort of this perception out there that Joe Biden is not working very hard, that he's old, that he's slowed down, that he's got maybe some cognitive problems. Uh, And and I think most Democrats would say, so what? I'll take Joe Biden asleep before I'll take Donald Trump awake any day. However. That's if it's a Joe Biden who's delivering and right now he's not.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing, when anyone receives the nomination of their party, you're talking about 7% difference. The Republican nominee for president and the Democratic nominee for president will never be outside of a seven-point range as it relates to matchup. So you're talking about slim numbers already, no matter who gets the nomination. And then there's a fight for that slim number, that's 7%. All right, we're gonna continue to follow. Hopefully, these numbers change by way of delivering on the agenda.
4: Okay, Um,
0: obviously, we're gonna bring up another tragedy, right? Mass shooter. Let's go to the video. Eight people are dead, seven more
3: wounded, after a gunman opened fire into a crowd at an outlet mall in Allen, Texas. That's just north of Dallas. And a warning some of what you're about to see is disturbing. Witness dash cam capturing the moment the gunman got out of his car and then immediately began firing, ambushing, unsuspecting people walking by. We're pausing this video before the shooting actually begins, but other witnesses were recording as the attack unfolded. You you hear uh, multiple rapid gunshots, you see people running for their lives. And a photo obtained by CNN appears to show the gunman after he was shot by a responding officer. And you can see an AR-15 style rifle nearby. Uh, He is clad in black body armor and appears to have several extra magazines strapped to his chest.
0: Here we go again. Let's put up the pictures full mass. Let's be very clear. This country has a problem with gun culture. It also has a problem with inaction. I will get into that in a moment. The suspect has now been identified as 35-year-old M Martinez, who lived in Dallas, Texas, with his mother. The motivation for the attack, according to multiple reports, has been connected to right-wing extremism. According to local law enforcement, Martinez wore a patch on his chest that read RWDS, which police claims it means right-wing death squad. Officials are still investigating his ties to these radical beliefs. There's more. The gunman opened fire at the Allen premium outlets in Texas on Saturday afternoon. Allen police chief Brian Harvey said at a media briefing. An officer with the department was at the outlet mall on an unrelated call when he heard gunshots at about 3 36 PM. Shortly before he engaged the suspect and neutralized the threat. NBC News explained in greater detail suspected Allen, Texas mall shooter Garcia, interacted with neo Nazi and white supremacist content online, according to two senior law enforcement officials. A 2021 report in the Daily Beast reported that men associated with RWDS were plotting to attack the Democratic National Committee employees with explosives. Rhetoric in the private chat messages was consistent. With the racially motivated extremism ideology to include aspirational violence against religious and racial minorities, the affidavit said at that time. Let's put him up, when posed the question, all right, asked about his reaction to the shooting and what next steps should we take. Texas state Republican Keith Self, a Republican out of Allen said, well, those are people who don't believe in an almighty God, who is absolutely in control of our lives, adding, I know people wanna make this political, but prayers are important and they're powerful in the families who are devastated right now. Keep his picture up. You should be a damn shame of yourself, sir. I looked at your record. So while you're saying that people should pray when there are dead bodies in the street, you didn't say that when it came to voter integrity or voter uh, election laws. You agreed that the elections needed to be restricted basically. And you knew the information you were receiving was false. However, it did not stop you from acting in your legislative capacity. Here's what's ironic, dear sir. Why you tell people who are grieving the death of their loved ones to pray. Why did you not tell people who we're complaining about the ballot to simply pray. Why did you not tell individuals who are concerned about a woman's right to choose to simply pray? You see, you engage in legislative behavior because those are things you care about. But for things you don't care about, you put it on God and act as if you do. You see, I know your game. You may have others food, but not me. I'm from Glenwood Road, there's more. Let's put her up and Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Who continually makes her pro gun stance known, chimed in on Saturday, placing blame on mental illness, drugs, and evil forces for the mall massacre. Once again, no policy conversation whatsoever. Isn't it ironic? No one is asking, well, could we have done something to stop this individual from receiving this gun? I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene, if you believe it is connected to mental health, have you proposed? a red flag, a federal red flag law that would allow a stop gap between purchase and mental health diagnosis. No. All right, David thoughts here.
2: Even if one accepts and let's just for argument's sake, let's just suppose I say, yeah, there is evil out there and yeah, there are people with mental health issues. But let's let's if you look at the last 30 years, most of the major mass shootings have involved the AR 15. If you look at what happened at Sandy Hook and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and what's happened in Allen, Texas. Imagine those scenarios where, yes, yeah, somebody wants to kill a lot of people, but instead of an AR-15, an assault weapon, they have a pistol or they have a hammer. Sure, maybe they kill one or two, but they don't kill 10 or 20 or t- 22, and that's the issue here. We can agree or disagree about whether there's evil in our midst, mental health, whether there's not enough belief in God. Although I think in Japan only one percent of the population there believes in and Jesus Christ, but they have not had any mass shootings in the last 20 years. But putting all that aside, it's not the question that we're we're missing the point. If you're a Republican, you are. It's not the question of mental health. It's not a question of whether there's evil. It's how can we mitigate this. We just don't let anybody drive a bulldozer or jump into the cockpit of a commercial air airliner, unless they have the proper permit, unless they have the proper insurance. Why don't we do the same with guns? Why can't we say, no, you can't have an AR-15 unless you're a member of the military, unless you've been certified. You cannot have these weapons unless you have insurance. The fact that we don't do this is insanity.
0: Yeah, and the reality is there's no self-correction model because the federal law prohibits anyone from suing a gun manufacturer. And because of that, They are able to freely lobby organizations to completely ignore the will of the citizen. All right, three men, three white men chase a black male, black male found dead at a dumpster. The judge breaks all protocol, questions, the hate crime statute basically being applied to them, it is insane. Put the picture of full mass, three white males were arrested in connection with the shooting death last week of a 39 year old black male in Jacksonville, Florida. The victim's name has not yet been released according to First Coast News. Ryan Nichols, 19, 18 year old Danielle DiGuardia, and 21-year-old Holden Dodson. They all were arrested after the victim was found dead behind a garbage dumpster on the 500 block of Ashley Street in Jacksonville. The man was found dead from apparent gunshot wounds at about 6:45 a.m. This was on May 2nd. Surveillance video footage captured the three males chasing the victim on foot and in a vehicle. The security footage later obtained by the police showed a jeep. Grand Cherokee carrying Nichols, a Guardia and Dodson Park near 100 North Julia Street before the man got out of the vehicle at approximately 2.25 a.m. All right, so then at approximately 2.45 a.m., the footage captured one of them, one of the men chasing the victim past the Jeep. The three men got back into the Jeep a few moments later and drove away. Subsequent footage captured the man driving down streets nearby, seemingly looking for the victim steal who is seen at approximately 2.50 a.m. on Clay Street and running north from the Jeep, he's still running. One of the men got out and chased the man, who is later seen trying to hide behind the garbage dumpster. He is trying to save himself. There's more. The police report is redacted and did not indicate the shooting. Dustin later reported his 9 millimeter Glock missing. The Jacksonville Sheriff's Office found several nine millimeter shell casings at the scene of the crime, along with a loaded extended magazine, which was found next to the victim. They also found evidence that the garbage dumpster had been hit by a vehicle. Once again, more evidence, additional video, more video from a 7-11 on Julia Street caught the jeep's license plate, which had the words 9-11-2001, we will never forget, and an American flag. The jeep reportedly belongs to degardia's mother. After Nichols and Dotson were identified, arrest warrants were issued. They were arrested. So here's the kicker, they get arrested, all right? The rule is the state can decide to enhance the charge, all right? This is typically how you do a hate crime charge. You enhance an original charge. So Circuit Court Judge Kim Sattler, okay? Judge Sattler told two of the defendants, DeGardia. And Dodson that their charges could be upgraded to hate crimes when they appeared in court Thursday. It's unclear why the judge did not say the same for Nichols. All right, so DeGaudia's bail was set at more than 500,000. Dodson's was just over 200,000. The judge did not grant Nichols bond at all. Judge Sattler then told the news that the state would decide if hate crime charges would be brought. I'm not the state. It's up to them, of course, what charges they bring," said Sattler, But it was just a bunch of white guys chasing a black guy. I don't see any reason for it. "End quote from the judge. Have you ever in your life heard a judge make a ruling in an interview ever? I mean, at this point, you're talking about this is really pre-investigation stage. They have not even reached exhaustive investigation stage yet. The judge is already making a call here that this is not a hate crime without any evidence whatsoever one way or the other. Why? Because evidence has not been presented and when it is it won't be presented to the judge in that format, okay? That was a bond hearing. You don't weigh all evidence in a bond hearing. You say some things about the background evidence you may have circumstantial, But this judge has come out and said, "Oh, I, just white guys chase the black guy. What, what's wrong with that? How is that racial? How is that a hate crime?" Okay. All right. Um, I have never seen a judge step out of line like this in order to defend uh, people who uh, she believes also killed another human being. David Thoughts.
2: This one is sort of a shocker. This sounds like a judge who wants to uh, hear the her own voice. I mean, and, and is so enamored with herself. Um, because again, I mean, even if a judge has certain suspicions about what may or may not have happened, the proper role of the judge is to say, let's just let, let let's see how the evidence plays out. These are the charges now. The charges can always be upgraded. We'll see where where the prosecution comes in, where the defense comes in, let's see what the evidence shows. But for the judge to make a judgment already and to already yeah. be saying, Well, I don't see what the problem is here. I don't. I mean that's that's absurd. I mean that, I think those are grounds in some sense for the judge to be impeached or for a f- formal complaint to be filed against her. I mean you don't have to look at somebody hanging from a tree to say well that that couldn't be a lynching, even though there was a white mob that was chasing that black man. That no you I mean things just sort of you, 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 it's just it's insanity it's yeah. insanity for someone to sort of say these sort of claims make these statements and say oh no maybe it was just a maybe it was just a domestic dispute well maybe it was.
0: But let's wait and see where the evidence comes in. That's right, that's right, and that's the issue. No evidence, but she basically makes a ruling um, and steps completely out of her role as a judge in this matter. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay.
4: You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a yeah, Sunday? I you're not to you. Back
5: off! I said, "Come like, an African American man threatening my life. So go take it to the bus stop. I was right here, dude. Where do you my live? F- I'm not f- telling you where I live, dude. It's none of your f- business. I'm tired of seeing f- dog and on my car every it's f- day. Is my problem? Yeah, it,
3: f- it is. I
5: f- f- out of my face! What? Up- f- my f- business. Get it out of here. Here my dog, you stupid bitch. I'm running your
4: Should ass. S- Shoot you. Oh, no. I don't think you. Shoot you. Get the dog
0: in here. She kicked the dog. Let's put up the picture. All right. Uh my sources tell me this Karen is actually the real wicked witch of the west. <laughs> so the poster said in the caption, Lake Tahoe dog uh, poop Karen kicks dog and physically assaults dog owner after mistaking the dog poop for hers. Spoiler, the owner is carrying her dog's poop bag in hand. Um, which obviously the Karen was so upset she didn't recognize that she was talking to a responsible dog owner who actually had the bag in hand. Um, Karenicity is not only about making uh, a big deal about nothing. Karenicity is also about creating a mirror opportunity to reflect the dysfunction. Sometimes reflection is your best route to correction, all right? So we do a public service here. All right, David,
2: thoughts? Um, Dr. Richie, did you see the movie Trolls? Because uh, that woman looks a lot like the <laughs> yeah, queen yeah, in yeah. Trolls who's trying to eat the trolls. I'm just saying, and, you know, when I first saw that picture of this woman, I thought, why does she have a snake around her neck? Is that what this story is gonna be about? And no, it's not about the snake. That's not a snake. She's not actually from the movie Trolls, though she looks like it. Um, this is clearly a woman who's got some issues, uh, never mind her concern about dog poop. So we'll just leave it at that.
0: All right, there you go. Um, no updates from that story at all. <laughs> Okay, uh, I wanna do something very specific. On Friday, I did an update to a story and a correction. I told everyone on Monday I wanted to do it and do it more exhaustively once we have more details in and today is that day. So a few days ago, we reported on a story out of Georgia. It dealt with schools and a game. In that story, we cited another publication. That publication was incorrect in the picture. That it showed, we want to apologize to the individual in the picture, to the family that it may have offended. Now we're going to tell you the story based on the update, all right? Parents of the Padilla School complained about the alleged slurs after one of their players was ruled ineligible for the school's championship game because of how he responded to the racial slurs. You're looking at Padilla School right there. Okay. It all started Friday during a soccer match between Padaya and Armucci High School in Rome, Georgia. Parents say the Padaya players complained to game officials that Armucci school players kept calling them the N word. So, video shows the player even talking to an officer on the field. Parents say game officials did not punish the offending players. The player. Who went to the official complaining about the slurs, scored a goal. Then he raced, according to the report, to Armucci bench and pointed at them, and he was ejected for taunting, according to the officials, that many could not play in the championship game. The school athletic director, let's put him up, issued a complaint about the behavior from the opposing team. So you have an actual complaint on record, and submitted an unsatisfactory official report to GHSA to try to get the red card decision reversed to Georgia High School Athletic Association. That was denied. Uh, the GHSA is led by Dr. James R. Hines on the left, okay? And, and then you have the Armucci uh, High School principal, his name is Joseph Patel. So, Floyd County Superintendent Glenn White called WSB TV's Tom Jones. Tom is a good, good reporter, great reporter, good friend. And was empathetic that his players never used racial slurs. White said that was determined after an internal investigation. White also said records indicate the Georgia High School Association interviewed the four referees and all said they did not hear any racial slurs. So Superintendent White says one of his players was also ejected from last Friday's game. He says it wasn't because of racial slurs, but something called dissent and unsupporting behavior. Channel 2, however, watched a video of the game, okay? And noticed that a Padel player on the field did in fact complain about racial slurs after his teammate was ejected. But they called him the N word three times, he said in response to the ejection. This is why Tom Jones is a great reporter. Students wanted to show support for their classmate who could not play in the, in the big game and also send a message about racism. So there were t-shirts to the game that said no room for racism. WSB TV reached out to the Georgia High School Association for comment about all of this, <clears throat> but it, uh, there's been no response. Uh, So Padilla did win the game, and it went into three overtimes. Was a fascinating game according to those who were there. All right, Um, story updated. The details uh, still are what they are. Uh, The reality is there's this seemingly um, rejection of the truth or attempted cover up, I don't know. Uh, But clearly, the children say the N word was used. Clearly, the parents say, yes, we heard the N word. And then the, the, other, the other person on the other side, superintendent says, well, well wait a minute. I mean, the few people that, that my people interviewed or uh, the state interviewed, they said they heard nothing. The, the four officials heard nothing. Okay, all right, that's the update. David, thoughts? Look, I I, I get that maybe referees, maybe
2: they don't hear things, maybe they're focused, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And at a certain point, if, if if some kid comes to you and says, "Look, this guy is using some unbelievable vulgar language," You need to put a stop to it, at that point, the referee should stop everything. And whether it was said or not, bring both teams to the center of the field and said we're not gonna have this kind of BS anymore. You guys wanna taunt each other, you wanna talk smack, that's fine, but you're gonna keep it to a limit. You're not gonna call each other the N word, you're not gonna talk about each other's mothers, none of that stuff, you're not gonna talk about religion. And the fact of the matter, sure, there's taunting that goes on in sports. There's, you know, there's unsportsmanlike conduct that we would have described it as 25, 30 years ago and maybe that's part of the game now. But you can still as a referee take control and say yep. we're gonna have some limits to this. And the fact that the referee didn't do anything at the time when he was, when this young student first said, hey, let's listen to what they're calling me. The referee should have said timeout and bring both coaches over and give both benches a warning and say, we're gonna knock this out right now. The fact that that didn't happen, that's on the referees.
0: And that is so wise, David, because if that would have happened, this does not likely never becomes a news story. Yep. All right, we got more. On the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. An attendant, flight attendant goes to a black mother, uh, basically threatens to kick her off because the black mother told a white female, hey, this is my seat, you gotta get up. Let's put up the pictures full mass here. Okay, give you the background. Racial discrimination is brought to light in a Canadian Flair Airlines flight when a white woman refused to leave a seat purchased by a black family for a mother and her newborn. The victims of this event are Paseo Allie Long with his wife and newborn whom he purchased, he had purchased a seat for. So Ali, a black woman who recently moved to Canada from Nigeria, posed a question to, to the white woman sitting in her seat. Issue, she will please move, fair question. Ali says, the passenger said no. In the recorded video, you can hear Ali say to a flight attendant, do you see the problem here? The passenger refused to move to her assigned seat multiple times. Unfortunately, this caused the situation to escalate. The attendant can be heard saying to Baseo, if you don't calm down, we need to get you out of this aircraft. The new mother responded, I can't be calm after what you just did. It was then that Basayo, according to her husband, accused the people of racism, noting the Flair staff, talking about the airline staff spoke to her in a very condescending way. He added, if a black person was sitting on that seat, they would not have hesitated to kick them off the flight. Ultimately, flight attendant sided with the woman who stole the seat. While Basayo was shocked that the white woman not only told her no, but flipped the middle finger at her when she asked her to move. She was also outraged at the response of the flight attendant. We paid for this flight, you didn't help me, she said to the attendant. So. Here's Basel photoed in a follow up announcement in this title, racism in Canada. Basel describes how massive online protests finally led to the airline offering a refund. However, he insists that the recouping of his financial losses is the furthest thing from his mind. Instead, he wishes for fair and equal treatment. Basel's dilemma is not the first and will not be the last. Won't be the last time that a black citizen or black citizens in the West are violated by having their seat assignment relegated, remember the historic symbol of the issue. A situation where taking a seat was considered justified. President Obama, among many others, credit Rosa Parks, singular act of disobedience with launching a civil rights movement that lasts to this day. Rosa Parks tells us there's always something we can do. He said during a 2013 ceremony to unveil a statue of Parks at the US Capitol, where she is honored alongside past presidents, members <coughs> of Congress and military leaders. She tells us that we all have responsibilities to ourselves and to one another. I link the two because I think there's a great dynamic. When we see how universal racism can be. Don't allow that to dissuade you from this other reality. The other reality is while racism can be universal, anti-racism can be universal as well. The same strength, that they use to promote their propaganda. You can be stronger, rise to the occasion and defeat it. All right, David thoughts here. Look, it
2: clearly seems racist to me and I think if the airline really wants to provide some sort of justice instead of a refund, they should fire the flight attendant and they should make sure that that white woman is never allowed on that airline again. If you make it clear that you're not willing to abide by the airline rules by your contract of sitting in your seat and when notified you're in the wrong seat, you give somebody the middle finger, you should be banned from that airline for years and for the flight attendant, if there was some sort of mistake, the flight attendant should have gone up to both passengers and said, look, We overbooked, we made a mistake, we assigned both of you to the seat. We're gonna work it out. But that's on the flight attendant to do it before there's a problem, before there's a conflict. Uh, But I don't even think that was the problem here. I think clearly the problem was this white woman who has felt some sort of sense of entitlement and wanted to look down on this uh, poor woman from Nigeria and her baby. Uh, And I hope that woman is publicly shamed. I hope Canadians will rally around and try to figure out who that racist white woman is and make her next flight miserable.
0: There it is, all right. This is a hell of a story. The production team worked really hard to do it justice, okay? But it's a lot of moving pieces. A black farmer, according to him, has his home stolen, um, his animals stolen by a millionaire, okay? Let me go to the first video, here it is.
5: Derek Williamson did ministry work through his church in Conyers, Georgia. And in 2021, 2021- Janet Hardy here approached Derek telling him that she had inherited a large amount of money from her parents' estate and that God told her that she was to put it back in the church through his ministry. They both put in money together to buy this property. Granted, her contribution was larger. And then together, they took out a mortgage for the sum of the rest of the property. Now, Janet Hardy was going to continue to pay the mortgage, but in July of 2021, she did sign over the entire property to Derek's business. Here's both their signatures and an official notary. Derek is also the only stockholder of the company. Jordan Hardy here unexpectedly became pregnant, and she also was dealing with substance abuse problems. Derek, who was very close with the family at the time, offered to let them all move into the spare bedrooms on the property so that he could help minister and be a friend to Jordan in this time of need. In exchange for this arrangement, Janet said that she would take on the full mortgage and the utilities for this arrangement.
0: Okay, so you hear the narrative. Uh, this is their perspective. Here's what things got worse.
5: Now, in April of 2022, things started to go sideways.
2: recording all this. Move out out of my way. Get out of my way. I'm calling law enforcement now. I'm calling
1: law enforcement against you all now.
5: Unsurprisingly, it wasn't long until the Hardys started gaslighting Derek into thinking he owed them. They felt entitled to business decisions. They felt like the home was theirs and he was just living in it. Derek was trying to retrieve business documents out of that drawer there, but they were trying to make it sound like it was their furniture and he wasn't allowed in it. Unshockingly, when Derek called the police for help, they didn't. In fact, the opposite. Now, after this incident with the Hardys, Derek tried to file a stay away order. But in court, the women all said that Derek was the one who attacked them. Even though there was video, who do you think the judge believed? The judge actually flipped the order and Derek was forced to leave his home. Legally, everything is in Derek's name.
0: Okay, now remember, everything is in Derek's name. Everything is in Derek's name. How did the system get utilized in such a manipulative way? Through this?
5: Theoretically, even though he wasn't allowed at the property, Derek could have started eviction proceedings to get them out of his house, except for the fact that suddenly Janet and Jay Hardy were going to file for divorce. Then Jay filed a return of deed on behalf of Janet in order to try and liquidate the assets that he claimed she was basically trying to hide in their divorce through Derek's business. Because of this petition, basically any legal avenues around the property were frozen until it was disputed in court. Again, keep in mind that James Hardy is a professional millionaire landlord, so he knows all the tricks of the property business. He named Derek and his business as third-party defendants in his case against Janet. Now, legally, if Derek didn't respond within 30 days, then it would be a default judgment and the deed would return to Janet. Supposedly to liquidate the assets for the divorce in this bogus charade. Now, Jay's lawyers claimed that they filed this third-party complaint. However, there was no court records of this filing. They tried to pull one over on Derek and only gave him a copy of the summons, which means he was trying to trick Derek into not filing a complaint in response and stealing his land legally. Derek finally got his day in court for the eviction proceeding. I'm gonna go ahead and skim over most of the proceedings, but essentially what it boiled down to is she threw out the eviction. She essentially told Derek that he had filed the wrong motion, that he was looking for a uh, ejection, not an eviction. The judge then claimed that the deed was in question, even though it's never been in question. There's never been any sort of motion or defense that has questioned the deed. So then Derek has to go through this whole process again, filing for an
0: ejection. Let's put up the picture of the young man at the center of this saga. Okay, he actually hit me up on social media. According to Derek's GoFundMe, his animals are like his family, have been quietly stolen, sold and rehomed due to his unfortunate current situation. According to Derek, his former business partner conspired with the Hardys to take animals. My former business partner, zoo owner, teamed up with the Hardys to physically steal my animals and all our animal enclosure fencing. Approximately 100,000 and built up a new facility with our fence. That is now a few miles from my farm. Nicole Kanoi is their primary wildlife accomplice according to Derek Williamson. Derek posted videos of some of the stolen animals, okay, and also the fencing. Um, Judge Holt, who was involved in the eviction case, had to recuse herself, but later accused Derek of stalking her because she was exposed online. The new judge would find him guilty of stalking. The Judge who was exposed online, when Derek went to police to request the police reports, he was handed a cover page of the report, but they refused to give him the narrative versions that would happened about what happened in the incident. A woman at the Morgan County Sheriff's Office said that open request records or open open records request don't cover narrative paperwork. After he left, a lieutenant would call him to inform him that the woman for the station, from the station gave him misinformation, okay? Let's put up his GoFundMe. Um, he has a long legal battle, it sounds like. It is already hella complex. This is his GoFundMe to help with, with his legal effort. He wants people to know what's happened. It's a hell of a story. And listen, there are some other twists and turns. We, we don't have enough time to get into every single element of what happened here and what's ongoing. But David, you heard, you heard this story, you heard the zigzag of this story. What are your thoughts on it?